What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, and I'm joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? So, um, yesterday was a pretty terrible day um, with the helicopter crash that killed Kobe Bryant and the eight other victims that were on board. Sorry to start the podcast off of this, but I, I feel like we had to start with this one. Um, I don't really know how much more needs to be said, but one thing that needs to be clear, obviously Kobe Bryant is the headline of the story, but there were eight other people that were killed. Um, and Kobe Bryant might be the biggest name, but all these people were still human beings. They still had families and everything. And I feel like they need to be given attention as well. Um, but on the side of Kobe Bryant, um, obviously he had his sexual assault case a while back, um, which we'll discuss later. But off of that, I think, depending on what your view is of what that case was, that was one point in his history when he was a young person. He was 19. How, do you know how old he was? It was in 2004. Uh, I'm not. Whatever. He was 41. Whatever. But that's one one mistake that he made, even if it was a mistake or it wasn't. That can't really define who he is as a person. Um, I mean, he transcended, transcended basketball, and that's hard to do. And besides that one case, I mean, he was a great player on the court and a great person off the court. And unfortunately, that's kind of rare in uh, professional sports these days. And it's just uh, really was a really sad uh, thing that happened yesterday. Any thoughts, Nick? Um, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I guess just going through the story a little bit more in terms of how it all happened. Um, so, you know, Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter and I guess some other people going to this exact same tournament mm-hmm. all hopped on one of his, I guess, I'm assuming his private airplane. Private helicopter. And, yeah, private helicopter, rather. And they were going to fly to a tournament where his daughter was playing at and Kobe was presumably coaching uh, his daughter's team or helping coaching his daughter's team. Um, There's a lot of uh, fog in Los Angeles yesterday uh, around the Calabasas area. And uh, the police helicopters weren't even flying as the conditions were not good enough. And Kobe's helicopter still took off. And it seems from initial reports that he had too low of an altitude, assuming that the pilot was trying to avoid the, the fog. Mm. And then he had, and then the, from the black box records that have leaked so far, it seems as if they went, not even spiraled down, but went straight down into the ground and it exploded. Everyone died on board. Um, so that seems to be like the, the events that happened. Mm. Um, two things about it is I think the event happened around 9.30 that he passed. And I think, was it Sharif O'Neal, uh, Shaquille O'Neal's son? He actually got DM'd by Kobe on Instagram at around 8.58 a.m., I believe. So this is about 40 minutes before he died. Um, I think think it might be the last contact that anybody had with Kobe Bryant outside of, obviously, who was in the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing which I think me and Brian were talking about during the week is that it must be sad, you know, um, because I think about it from Kobe's perspective because we know Kobe, um, just, you know, what he would have done in those last moments with his daughter, 
there's just holding her and, and saying everything's going to be all right or whatever it was. Just it must have been a horrifying moment before they they perished. And I assume you know probably all the parents on board did that. Mm. And it must have been a really terrible and scary moment. Mm. Uh, in terms of Kobe Bryant, uh, his legacy will will live on forever. He was an incredible basketball player, in my opinion. You know, a lot of people, which I will get into later, one of our controversial topics are like kind of putting him up to, oh, he's the greatest, greatest basketball player of all time. When a week ago they were probably saying he's not even top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, regardless of what happened to him, he's always been a top three basketball player of all time. Um, you know, next to Michael Jordan and and LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, you know, the NBA. Norris basketball ever seen competitors like them before. Um, Kobe Bryant brought out the best in people and his teammates, and he he, he really showed that like hard, hard work can take you a really far way. Um, on top of the insane uh, talent that Kobe had, uh, his hard work really pushed him over over into being one of the greatest of all time, rather than just one of the greats. Um, you know, he never shied away from hard work, and his work ethic is I think what is what I hope he gets remembered for. Mm. Um, you know, somebody with that with the work ethic that Kobe had and, you know, never taking a playoff. It's just, it's something that's should be remembered for forever. And hopefully, you know, players who never even knew Kobe can learn from that as well as all of us could probably take something from Kobe. Um, he, he really was a one of a kind guy and it's sad that he's gone. Yeah. Um, one thing, I guess we did want to discuss was how the NBA mourned Kobe Bryant. Um, basically, the only thing they really, I can't say the only thing, but the teams that were playing after the announcement happened that he died, each took at the beginning of the game 24 seconds, took the 24-second shot clock violation, obviously 24 representing the last number Kobe Bryant wore. Um, but one thing, Nick, you can do this one since you did it. Um. Yeah, I guess in my personal opinion... The NBA really should have canceled games. I guess, in my opinion, it's a little sad by the NBA because they were probably saying, oh, we're going to have to pay X amount of people back and give refunds and it's going to be too big of a mess. Mm. But I think when you when you have the death of somebody like Kobe, you know, in that type of fashion and, um, and how much he meant to the game of basketball, I think, number one, the, the fans would understand. Mm-hmm. Number two, um, I think it's just a morally right thing to do. You know, who cares about money? Yeah. You know, Kobe's life and Kobe's what he did for basketball is a lot bigger than anything any of those games mattered. Mm-hmm. And the number three, on top of all that, none of the players nor the coaches nor the announcers really wanted to be there nor play at that time. You know, a lot of them personally knew Kobe, and even though we're kind of all sad about it losing him, you know, no, nothing that we feel will compare to what those people feel that knew him, mm-hmm. especially people that not only knew him and got to meet him, you know, every you know once a year, whatever it may be. There's people on those courts who probably talk to him nearly almost every day. Yeah. So, you know, those players and those people, they don't want to be there. Um, so I, I really think they should have canceled the games. Yeah. Um, you know, one of those people that I think was really affected was obviously was LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, video has released of him coming off of the Lakers plane and him crying into, I don't know whose arms. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously... Uh, LeBron just passed Kobe, what was it, yesterday or two nights ago. Passed his scoring yeah. record. He has more points than him career all time. And, you know, Kobe gave his, his congrats to him. Um, Kobe seemed as, which, which makes sense, uh, 
you know, Kobe recognized the greatness in LeBron. He, he was happy if anybody was going to pass his part of his, you know, record in terms of being, I think he was three in all-time scoring, and now Kobe's four. Yeah, I think LeBron's so. three. Um, you know, I think Kobe realized that if anybody was going to beat his record, it should be LeBron. LeBron's a type of caliber player, and both of them have mutual respect, and it seems, you know, they both have similar work work, work ethics. They, you know, they're all they're both all-time greats, so they were probably friends, you know, the relationship was probably deep. We can't say for sure because we obviously don't know how deep, but it obviously affected LeBron. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's all I have to say about in terms of, like, the NBA morning. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that's really it. There's obviously so much that can be said, but I don't think we want to keep going into it. So, we're going to get off that sad topic and talk about baseball. Um, it was actually a pretty busy week for baseball i mean i think last week there was literally nothing that we talked oh the signs doing whatever but in terms of free agents and everything so um today uh starling Marte trade finally happened between the pirates and the diamondbacks the diamondbacks sent two prospects and um some uh international signing money so the two uh prospects that were traded by the diamondbacks were um Right-handed pitcher Brennan Malone, and um, I'm going to try and pronounce his name. Maybe I'm not. Leover Peguero. I don't know. They're two very talented players, um, very young. Uh, Brennan Malone was picked in the 2019 draft, and Leover is 19 years old. they're both talented. Um, the Diamondbacks have one of the deepest um, minor leagues, I mean, farm systems in baseball. So they had a lot to pick from. In terms of Starling Marte, Starling Marte was obviously on the block for a while now. The Pirates are a uh, rebuilding team. Starling Marte doesn't really fit with their plans anymore. They've ha- they had outfielders last year that are young and played very well, and they just signed the Japanese free agent I don't know his name but they just signed him so he's also an outfielder I think um but Starling Marte is definitely talented um he was very he was much very much linked to the Mets because they need a center fielder but in terms of his defense which is what the Mets needed his defense has kind of declined over the past few years and the Mets didn't see it was it was useful for them specifically because they have Brandon Nimmo so for the Diamondbacks, I mean, their defense wasn't really a problem for them. I mean, Starling Marte's offense is uh, very good. Uh, last season, he hit 23 home runs, 82 RBIs, and had a batting average of 295. So very good numbers. I think his 23 home runs and 82 RBIs are both career highs. He's 31, so still has some time left. I don't know what his contract is, which should be interesting, but... I think for the Diamondbacks, they're not a rebuilding team anymore, and Starling Marte is definitely a good player for them to get. Um, off of that, earlier this week, Nick, Castell- Nick Castellanos uh, signed a four-year, $64 million deal with the Reds. Um, he's a pretty talented outfielder. Um, some stats from last season, 27 home runs, 73 RBIs, 289 batting average, and a 2.7 war. So those are also very good numbers. The Reds have been basically signing everyone. They signed Castellanos, 
Last year they signed uh, Moustakis, which was pretty big for them. I think that was the biggest contract they ever gave out. They've also signed Wade Miley. Um, there's another one. But, yeah, they've been busy. Um, they were busy last offseason, too, trying to get pitchers. So I think the Reds might be making a mistake of trying to rebuild without actually using their young talent. Um, I mean, we'll see how it works, but in the past it hasn't really worked out where you don't actually take the time to rebuild. But they're trying to kind of like cheat their way through it. We'll see what happens with them. Um, the last real baseball thing that is rumored, um, it's rumored that the umpires could be mic'd next season. I was thinking like when I first saw the headline, like balls and strikes and like how they, what they how they talk to the players and stuff like that, but it's really just going to be for reviews if they're upheld or overturned. Um, they said that they might, um, if need be, to explain rules, like if there's some weird call that happens and no one knows what's going on, to explain it to the fans, similar to what they do in football with overturning and penalties and everything like that. Um, I don't really know what effect that's really going to have. I mean, I don't know why it really matters if you're announcing if it's upheld or overturned. I think you can see that through hand signals. The only thing that really makes sense is them explaining rules. So maybe that's a good thing, but I don't know. There's not much more with that. Um, I think that's it for baseball. Not really anything else. Kind of like the down, the downward spiral. Not, kind of like the end of free agency, so nothing's really going on. Um, but that's it. You want to go into football? Um, sure, yeah. Uh, so going into football, <clears throat> the Pro Bowl is now over. No, I care about the Pro Bowl. Actually, useless game. Um, didn't put this on the outline, but I just want to say the Pro Bowl is the most useless game I ever. Agree. It's not entertaining. I, I, I it literally it makes no sense for it to even occur anymore because it used to be like a fun time for the players. Got to go to Hawaii and there was like you know the summer vibes there. Mm-hmm. And now they don't even hold it in Hawaii anymore. So it was also for, like, the people of Hawaii, it was, like, really good for them because they got to see some of their favorite NFL mm. stars in one game. And obviously there's no franchise in Hawaii. So, uh, it was, again, it was a really good chance for them to see some of the NFL players that they get to see on TV all the time and not have to fly over to the main part of the United States. Um, so it was really good for that. Um, as well as the, the game used to count, I believe, for home field advantage for the Super Bowl. I think so, too. And which it doesn't do that anymore. Um it's not Hawaii. The players don't care. The rest refer so leniently. It's 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 two hand touch football. It it literally the most pointless game ever. It, and nor is it entertaining. So I just don't understand it. Like I, I, I watched the Pro Bowl this year, but not the game. I watched them play dodgeball actually, yeah. and, and I watched the dodgeball part of it, and I watched the uh, where they hit the targets when they uh-huh. had like non quarterbacks yeah. hit the targets. Um, Von Miller was terrible this year. Uh, <laughs> Couldn't hit the balls out of a barn. I find that a lot more entertaining than the Pro Bowl. Yeah, definitely. It's so stupid. It's it's like I think the NFL is better off just saving money and just saying these are our all stars for the year. Get give them a plaque at the end of the year and then call it a day. That's definitely true. Um. So yeah, the Pro Bowl's over. Now we're on to the Super Bowl. Um. So I guess a little Super Bowl preview. Um. Covered a lot last week, yeah. so if you guys want to check it out there, um, you'll find that. But, you know, just a little preview. So we have the Kansas City Chiefs and we have the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I think it's going to be a good game. 
Um, hopefully, you know, not like some of the blowouts we've had in recent years yeah. in terms of. I thought the Rams and Patriots post bowl was good last year. Mm-hmm. You know, as a guy who understands the more the more, I guess the deeper intricacies of football. <laughs> I, I enjoy a good defensive game. It means that both teams are playing well defensively. Um, and I'll, I I play defense for my high school career, so I, you know I'm a big defense guy. Um, but I can see why casual fans do not like it. You know they like to see touchdowns, they like to see big passes, which I think we will see in this game. Um, in terms of the Chiefs, because yeah. that's, that's that's a lot of the Chiefs' offense. There's a lot of spectacular play, plays of Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, probably not going to see the 49ers. I'd imagine a lot of casual fans are going to be upset with the 49ers. And, yeah. and they, they're strictly ground and pound. Um, but I think that this could this could turn into another defensive battle in terms of the 49ers defense is really good and the, and the Chiefs defense has really picked it up. So, I, you know, it's hard for me to tell where this game is going to go. Um, you know, just looking at it, Chiefs offense, really good. 49ers defense, offense, pretty good. I wouldn't say it's as good as the Chiefs because it's not as dynamic. But at the same time, the 49ers run, run rushing game is, is impeccable. Um, was absolutely amazing last week, so we'll see how that uh, goes against the Chiefs' improved defense. On the other side of the ball, Chiefs' defense, again, improving. Um, I wouldn't say it's one of the top defenses in the NFL, but it's definitely uh, above average. And on the 49ers' defense side of the ball, I think they were either uh, – they're, you know, we can go through a lot of statistics, but, you know, just from – just from watching film and combination of t- statistics and just an eye rent, you know, an eye test, they're easily a top three defense in the NFL this year. Um, so if there's any defense that you want going against the 49, uh, the Chiefs offense in the Super Bowl, I'd say it's the 49ers. So I do think it's going to be a good matchup. Um, before I hand it off for, to Brian for his opinions, I'm probably going to take the Chiefs and I'll say a five point win over the 49ers. I'm going to say Chiefs, too. I think we agreed last time, so that would make sense. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes has been playing so well um, in the playoffs specifically, and I think that's just going to continue. Obviously, the 49ers defense poses a threat for him, but I think he'll be able to overcome that. In terms of the final score, I'm going to get even more specific and say 28-23 Chiefs. No, 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 no. Why did I? Not five points. This is a complete guess. But 28, definitely 28. I'm feeling 28. Um, 28, 21. I don't even, uh-huh. can you get to 21? Yeah, three touchdowns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seven times uh-huh. three. I just started a math class this semester, so I'll definitely remember that. Um <laughs> In terms, uh, do you want me to go into Antonio Brown? Um, sure, since you covered it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, off of the Super Bowl, um, should be fun. Uh, Antonio Brown's back in the news. He's been like, you know, kind of around. Uh, there was rumors with him and a Logan Paul fight. Uh, whatever. Um, there was, he apparently threw a bag of, um certain shaped gummies at a police car. Um, And now the biggest thing, which, I mean, it's just headlines, and obviously the headlines can't really trust, but he's facing a lifetime lifetime charge of burglary and battery. There's, like, no chance he's going to get a lifetime, but, I mean, it's up there as a possibility. So basically what happened, I did uh, react to this, so you can watch that for more. 
But basically what happened, um, he had a delivery driver come bring him stuff to his California home. The delivery driver asked for the money for the service before he took the stuff out of the car, and Tony Brown refused. He, the truck driver then drove away, and Tony Brown decided to, you know, throw a rock at the truck because that's what a sane person does. And then um, the truck driver came back, asked for money again, and Tony Brown refused, then started physically assaulting the guy um, while his trainer, I think his name's Glenn Holt, took the keys from the driver. This is what the story I uh, read said. Took the keys from the driver, then went into the back and started taking Antonio Brown's stuff out of the truck while also damaging other people's belongings that weren't Antonio Brown's. Um, so basically, my reaction to that, uh, I kind of said this, but it's not really right for me to assume like mental health issues, but the way things have been going down for Antonio Brown I think something's wrong. Um, I mean, even his agent uh, decided to split ties with him unless he sought counsel, which I'm assuming means like a therapist or something like that. Um, I think leaving the Steelers was probably the worst thing for him. I don't know if the Steelers were just able to keep him under wraps much better or if Antonio Brown was just for some reason able to be a better person when he was on the Steelers. Um, but ever since then, things have just been spiraling out of control for Antonio Brown. Um, he's getting further and further from being back in the NFL. I mean, this is in no way going to help him. And it's kind of a pretty big issue for Brown, and I guess if there's Antonio Brown fans out there. Anything you want to say, Nick? Um, yeah, I'm at the point where I think Antonio Brown has completely lost it, um, as per the reasons you have mentioned um, there, as well as, um, he, you know, he was, there was a video of him cursing out the police and cursing out his, his the mother of his children. Um, his, his dating situation is pretty complicated, so I, I can't even get into it, but the mother of his children. Um, so I think that's not good for him on top of everything else. I I personally believe that his time in the NFL could be coming to an end here. I think teams, you know, before I said Antonio Brown might be a diva, but he, his talent's kind of worth the risk in terms of what he could bring to your team. But now he's carrying, bad, you know, legal baggage as well as really, really bad stuff for PR. Yeah. Um, it's just not something you want on your team. So, again, like his – his time in the NFL could be coming to an end. Um, I don't know if you, you saw this, but in the courtroom, that he, he, he wore a suit to the courtroom for his, his hearing for, for obviously what he's been charged mm-hmm. with. There's, I think it was like burglary or whatever it was. Battery. Burglary. Um, yeah, battery. He The suit that he wore was just absolutely ridiculous. No sane person would wear that suit. It was it a turquoise suit with a green ju- like jumpsuit underneath, and it looked absolutely ridiculous. Like No sane person would wear that. Um, and then put matters worse as he, he ran out of the courthouse, I guess, to avoid the media and he ran to the left after his lawyer said multiple times that his car was to the right and Antonio Brown kept running to the left. So it was just, I I don't know what's wrong with this man, but just like everything he does just seems to be uh, out of the ordinary and it's just, it's not a good look for Antonio Brown. Yeah. I'm looking at that suit. I mean... Some would say it's just fashion. Uh, I don't know what the problem is. I don't think that's good fashion right there. I just don't. <laughs> Me either. So, yeah. Um, uh, kind of sucks for 
I guess, people that supported Antonio Brown. Um, I think it sucks the worst for his children over anything. In, in that's the mother of his children. certainly true, yeah. Um, You want to go into some Le'Veon Bell? Uh, sure, so I want to say this has been happening ever since the Jets have signed Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> yeah. But uh, rumors are, are swirling that Le'Veon Bell is on the trade block and that Le'Veon Bell wants to be traded as well as, obviously, Adam Gase wants him off the team and is a mutual interest to be traded and that Le'Veon Bell may or may not have requested a trade. Um, I guess my personal opinion on it is that I can't speak for the Jets organization, um, but I can tell you from, from Le'Veon Bell's posted that he does not want to leave the Jets. He, he I think he posted was it on Instagram or Twitter. That he's obsessed with the fact that the Jets are a work in progress and he's, he's willing to work with them in order to build a, a team. And I think that's what he wants. Um, you know, Le'Veon Bell can't really complain. He, he should have known what he was walking into when he signed with the team. Um, you know, he took that huge contract, and that's obviously why he came to the Jets. Yeah. As well as I think he wants the New York sports, the, the media that's in, in the hype that's around a New York sports team. Um, and he, he had to know that this team was going to be a work in progress when you look at the roster. Um, so I, I can't tell you whether the Jets want to keep Le'Veon Bell versus they want to get rid of him, mm. but I can tell you Le'Veon Bell, I'd say likely wants to stay with the Jets. Um, in terms of the Jets side, you know, obviously again, can't speak for them. I think it would be a good idea to trade Le'Veon Bell. Um, instead of because unless you have the offensive line to block for him, he's, he's going to be a big hole in your salary for no reason. True. Um, so unless you, you know, if the Jets want to be smart and draft an offensive line to really, number one, it would help out Sam Darnold. Yeah. It'd help out Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, whether they, I don't know what their plans are this season, but, you know, they spent too much money in free agency for them not to win, not to improve, I would say, at least improve over this next season. So if you're the Jets, I don't know if I would trade Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell, but you got to get him an offensive line before you can even talk about, you know, using Le'Veon Bell to his full potential. Yeah. So Brian, I'd say that um, the one thing Le'Veon Bell didn't know was that Adam Gase was just stupid as a person. Um, <laughs> I mean, the comments he's made is just so stupid. But um, regarding the offensive line, I feel like that has to be their plan for uh, the draft. I think they draft offensive linemen. Um, they give Le'Veon Bell another season to prove if he's still a talented running back, which I think he still is. Um, and the offensive line will then subsequently help Sam Darnold and also take pressure off of Sam Darnold because Le'Veon Bell will actually be able to run the ball. So I think it will just help them on basically every level. Um, but I think Le'Veon Bell, in my opinion, the Jets have to give him one more year. Um, just doing one and out, and even if people weren't a fan of them even signing him, signing him for one year and then trading him just seems... Uh, silly and doesn't really make sense to me um so i think one more year and if he plays well they keep him if he doesn't then then i'll put him on the trading block yeah that's it all right so moving on from let me on bill uh philip rivers has pulled up in the news he uh the charges are apparently moving on hmm. from philip rivers uh per jay glazer uh in terms of what i think about it I think it's a good move by the Chargers. They're expected to be good this year. I still think they have a pretty talented roster. Um, they did lose Antonio Gates this year, but he's very, very old, and he wasn't that productive anyway. Yeah. 
Uh, they're going to lose Philip Rivers. I don't think he's going to be worth the contract that he, that he has. I think it's about time for them to get a rookie rookie quarterback in there. Um, do I expect Philip Rivers to sign with a different team? I'd probably say no. I'd, I'd imagine he retires. I don't think he's going to sign elsewhere. You know, kind of like uh, Eli Manning, where to have Philip Rivers to play how many years? For, what was it? What has it been? I don't know. Fifteen seasons or so with the Chargers. And then just to join another team. And to me, it's kind of crazy. I don't know what team. When you have a seasoned vet like Philip Rivers, you can't pay him like a rookie quarterback. You've got to pay him a, a significant amount of money. Mm-hmm. And he's just, unless you have a Super Bowl ready team that's missing a quarterback, you know, it, it's not worth signing Philip Rivers. And if a Super Bowl ready team that, that needs a quarterback, you know, that's going to hurt them in the long run to spend X amount of money of their salary on a uh, veteran quarterback when they could draft a quarterback, you know, prepare for the future, even though they're Super Bowl ready now, but just have precautions to, to prepare for their future. I don't think Philip Rivers is even worth it for other teams. So I, I personally hope that he retires if they're going to move on. Um, we'll have to see what where the Phil, where the uh, Chargers end up in the draft because they might trade up if they want a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tua Teluwa is, is on the board there. Uh, Jalen Hurts could be an option. Well, Justin Herbert, depending on who lands where? Um, so I, I imagine. I, I hope the Chargers get a good uh, quarterback because I still think again that that team that roster has a good amount of talent, so I think they could win. Uh, Brian, um, don't really have opinions on that. I didn't. I honestly didn't hear about that, but I guess I do have an opinion. Um, I agree with you that it would be weird if Phil Rivers went to another team. I think. Time's kind of done for Phillip Rivers. Obviously, he didn't have a great season. And I think you want to go out as a winner, which might be hard for him to swallow because obviously the Chargers weren't good. But um, I don't really see him anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I find it kind of similar to Tom Brady. I, you know, the Patriots have been good, so that's why I think they, they bring in back Tom Brady. But mm-hmm. the Chargers haven't. That's true. But I just I can't see either of those players playing for a different teams. It just doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah. You know, I think if they do sign with a different team, it's a big shock for the NFL. I, I don't think you know legitimate people in the NFL, in terms of you know people who have credentials and people who are in and around the league, mm-hmm. I, I would say they'd be in shock if those players sign anywhere else. The one interesting thing that I saw with the Tom Brady thing is that, um, which like didn't even cross my mind, but like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have always been grouped together and. Neither one of them is actually given credit for winning. It's always on both of them. And if, like, Tom Brady can go to a different team and win, then um, he would be basically crowned, like, being the reason that they won all the championships as they did. And that's, like, kind of, like, a really interesting point because, it, like, I never really thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Um, that's an interesting take. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know how much weight that time. actually holds, but yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um. So I guess moving on from Philip Rivers, um, I just thought it was kind of interesting to bring up what the who the Giants have signed in terms of coaching. And I think before I even get into who they signed as coaches, I think the Giants are making a really positive step towards the future here. Um, you know, starting from, again, like young talent, drafting right, and having a solid coaching staff, which I think the Patriots, 
are great at. I think the Patriots coaching staff is even better than their drafting ability. Hmm. Um, I think the Giants have put in a really good set of coaches. That's really going to help them um, perform well this year. So uh, just today, the Giants has signed Freddie Kitchens, former head coach of the Browns, as their tight ends coach. Mm. Which I think if you have a, a somebody <clears throat> may have not been successful as a head coach, but was trusted to be a head coach at a at a positions coach, I think it's a really big uh, benefit. You know, obviously they know a lot of a lot about the game of football, and I think Freddie Kitchens was a, he was a good positions coach for the Browns, so I do think he will be beneficial for the Giants to have. Um, beyond that, uh, the Giants signed uh, Derek Dooley. Um, I don't think his role hasn't been specified as now, but he was a head coach for Louisiana Tech and Tennessee. Um, he also served under uh, Nick Saban. The Giants signed uh, Tennessee assistant coach Kevin Schur. He's supposed to be the inside linebackers coach for for, um, for the Giants. And he, he's worked with Judge before, uh, Joe Judge, who the Giants signed for head coach. Um, I think it was a really interesting sign. The Giants signed... Uh, offensive line coach Mark Colombo, who was uh, the former Cowboys offensive line coach um, during that really good good run of the Cowboys offensive line when they were probably the best offensive line in the league, which are still a good offensive line now, don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're as good as they were. And that's due to age as well as some coaching changes. Um, the Giants hired Brett Bielema, sorry if I uh, botched that, for their defensive line coach, and he was the defensive line coach for the Patriots. Um, he serves the head coach of Wisconsin as well as Arkansas. Um, and he's supposed he might sign he might serve as our outside linebacker coach as well as a senior assistant. Um, the Giants hired the defensive passing game coordinator for the Falcons. For, for he played he coached for the Falcons in 2016 and 2019. He was the defensive backs coach for the Cowboys in 2012-2015. Um, I think it's interesting to note that he was the, the Falcons' defensive uh, passing game coordinator from 2016-2019. That's when that was within that year is when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. I think it was 2016, right? And you know that, that their defense that year, especially in the passing game, was really impressive. Um, you know the Giants also signed Justin Garrett, which everybody knows as well as Joe Judd. So I think the Giants have put together a really interesting pool of coaches. Um, a lot of head coaching experience, a ton of experience. I think they have a lot of solid pieces in there, and I think that you know them as an entire room of coaches can produce, a, you know, get the best out of their players and be really innovative. And this could be, like, a really good thing for the Giants in the long run, just having, you know, such solid coaching um, underneath. Hopefully it's a good draft that Gailman will have that hopefully Judge will have a say in. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope it'll be a nice, good, mutual relationship. So this could be a really positive thing for the Giants. Uh, do you have any comments, Brian? Uh, not really. Yeah, and as I said, these coaches, when you look at their their resumes, they've either been head coaches of, of college teams or they've played under, you know, pe- they've coached under people like Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. So the, you know, the experience there is, you know, really speaks for itself. Moving um, on from the Giants, signed his coach. Um, the Browns have hired a new GM by the name of Andrew Barry. Um, he was in the higher staff of the Browns last year. He went over to Philadelphia this year, and now the Browns have hired him back as the exec- executive vice president or executive president of operations, as well as the GM. Um, don't know much about him, but just wanted to bring that up. And then um, 
two more things, which are pretty quick. Uh, the Chiefs seem to be all in on Mahomes, which, I mean, it'd be stupid yeah. if they weren't, right? Yeah. Um, I think Mahomes will, and he's set to be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL as well as all time. The amount of money that he's going to get is going to be record-breaking, and I think it's well-deserved. He's by far over the past two years been the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, you know, he's an incredible talent, and I think he's going to get his payday, which is well-deserved. And then finally, um, I hopefully in two weeks, you know, next week we'll probably stick to covering the Super Bowl in terms of the NFL section. But in two weeks, I'd like to cover the NFL free agents. Um, obviously, you can't sign free agents right now, so there's no point in even covering them right now. But um, I know ESP, I think it was ESPN or somebody released a list. So I think we can go through that list and talk about each free agent and the possible destinations, whether I think they're ranked at the right spot. Um, it should be interesting. So other than that, I think it is the entire NFL section. Brian, do you have any comments? No, you covered it all. All right. So going into college stuff, um, not much going on in the college football area. However, I did have an interesting take, I guess. Uh, a lot of rumors going around that, that Tua is, you know, Tua Tagovailoa, terrible as last name. I could be butchering every single time, but I wouldn't know. Um, he's set to go to the Dolphins. The Dolphins are apparently really high on drafting him, which I think he's a good talent, you know, despite his hip injury, that I think he it might be a good spot for him to go there in terms of, you know, what you're going to get in terms of value, you know, for me, I think he'll be number five pick if he goes there. I think he is that type of talent where he could go number five. He's athletic. He, he's, I think his decision-making skills are impeccable, and he's well as he's got a really good arm. So I think he'll be a good quarterback in the NFL. I just question, you know, the Dolphins traded for Josh Rosen, I think they gave him a second-round pick for him. And they pretty much stuck with Ryan Fitzpatrick throughout the entire last year, and they, they're set to possibly re-sign him. Hmm. Um, I'm just questioning, why, what about Josh Rosen? I know people people are kind of, you know, gone to him already saying, oh, they gave him a few games and he didn't perform well. In my opinion, you you know, if he works hard this summer, you know, keep track of how hard he works this summer. And, you know, I'd say give him eight games to start next year. I'm not saying he has to do impeccable in those eight games, but if he shows improvement, if he plays, you know, decent enough and he shows improvement over those eight games, he, you know, take a solid look at, at Josh Rosen before you move on from him. Um, so I, I just think, you know, you traded all the, you gave away all that value for Josh Rosen. I think you have to give him a proper look before you move on from him. Uh, what do you think about that, Brian? Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, there's literally no reason. I think we said that this last time. But there's, in my opinion, no reason that Josh Rosen isn't their starting quarterback. Or at least gets more than a couple games to actually play. Mm-hmm. Um, so going on from college football, we have college basketball. Um, I'd say it's a pretty boring week. Uh, not a lot of great games this week in terms of like high-seeded matchups or big upsets. Uh, nobody in the top ten teams lost. Um, I think there's only one movement within the top ten, and that's Villanova past Duke. Um, they flip-flopped. Uh, Villanova went to eight. Duke went to nine. Um... So in terms of our AP poll for the week, uh, in terms of our top 10, we have number one, Baylor, number two, Gonzaga, three, Kansas, four, San Diego State, five, Florida State, six, Louisville, seven, Dayton, eight, Villanova, go Cats, uh, nine, Duke, and ten, Seton Hall. Um, Seton Hall's been really good as of late. Uh, Miles Powell, you know, my one player of the year, and he's our biggest rival at Villanova. So uh, should be, I think we play them not this Saturday, but the next Tuesday. should be an interesting game. Um, in terms of the game of the week, again, not that many great games this week. Um, the game of the week that I chose was LSU versus the Texas Longhorns. 
Uh, LSU went 69-67. Um, the reason I find this important is because, uh, number one, LSU is the only remaining team in the Southeast Conference to be undefeated. Um, they're 15-4. and four, And I think it's, it's really interesting to see because LSU is not known as really a basketball school. Um, and, and they've lost significant talent since the draft last year. If you remember, they had uh, Tremont Waters, who was a really good point guard for them, and Nas Reed, who was the McDonald's All-American center. Mm. Um, they're both in the NBA now. You had, you had two NBA talents they lost, and yet they're still undefeated in their in their uh, conference and in conference play. Um, they're ranked 22, 15 and four. You know, this is. I guess I, I don't know what it is, but I guess LSU has good recruiting and they have a good coaching system. So I don't know. Do could we see LSU emerge as a basketball school in the future? Um, that is like my question. So you know, I can't really answer that as of right now. But um, there wasn't much going on this week, so I don't know. I was just. Interesting that, again, LSU has lost that, that NBA talent they had, and they're not really known as a basketball school, and they're still ranked in the top 25. So, uh, and, and obviously, the LSU as well just won the football championship. So, LSU is LSU students are having a blast, I'm sure, with their sports teams being so good. Um, do you have any comments about that, Brian? No. <laughs> All right. So, I guess that ends our college basketball section. So we're moving on to the controversial topic. This is going to be a spicy one today. Spicy one. And we're talking. We're talking takis and flaming hot Cheetos spicy. Are you guys ready? Oh boy. We're, we're talking. I don't know what the. I forgot the hottest flavor at Buffalo Wild Wings is. Isn't it like Asian? spicy? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the controversial topic for today. Um. Number one, Kobe's rape allegations. Um. I'll go into them in a second, but a lot of people are bringing that up, and should they? Yeah. Uh. Number two. Uh, I think a lot of people are posting about Kobe, and I, I this, this is more me than anything. This is kind of like Pepe that I have. Nobody even knew who he was, and I bring it up to these people, and they'll give me – this one will be short. I'll start off with this pretty much. Um, you know, the, They never even knew who he was until he died and he was on the news and everybody was talking about it. Yeah. And I, I, I go, like, what did he mean to you? You never even knew who he was. And, then, and everyone keeps saying, oh, you know, they're affected by tragedy, so they, they want to you know, um, post it. And my thing is, well, I'm, no, you're virtue signaling, signaling, which essentially means that you're just trying to prove to people on social media that, that like, you're a good person because, oh, you feel bad about Kobe Bryant. Because in, in reality, if you really cared about the tragedy, yeah. none of these people are posting about the rest of the victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and these, the rest of the victims, you know, they weren't Kobe Bryant, but they, they were people too. And I think it's really important to, you know, number one, I think learn their names. Because, like, Kobe Bryant isn't by himself and just, like, the, the lone victim here. Um, but number two, like, I think for people that didn't really know Kobe Bryant, I don't think spamming social media with videos of Kobe Bryant trying to virtue signal is really the morally right thing to do. I think that if you just stay quiet, you know, you, you accept the tragedy and you don't really, like, make fun of it or, you know, just show your respects to people that Kobe meant a lot to, as as well as, you know, the other victims, I think that's more the right move to go. Um, do you, Brian, do you have any comments about that? Um, I move on to the other yeah, part. I mean... Not only, I mean, this is a different type of case because there were other people involved, but I mean, whenever someone dies, if it's a famous person, I mean, obviously that's sad, but you always see people going to social media talking about it and they literally have no connection to the, to them. Um, there's, it just seems ingenuine in some circumstances, it just, which I mean, you're not in their head, so you don't really know how they're feeling, but you can, there's certain people that 
just do it just to be in the on the popular side of I don't know, like pop culture, the media. Um, but also, um, there was something you said that I wanted to say. I don't remember, but yeah, that's basically how I think about it. I think social media at some, this is another topic, but we won't get into it. Social media in some respects is just an ingenuine place. Mm-hmm. I just agree with you. I think the, the word ingenuine is really the key there. Yeah. Again, these people had no connection to Kobe Bryant, and they just want to be like everybody else and post about him. Um, it's just it's unnecessary. Like you know, Kobe meant a lot to me in terms of like I really admired him growing up, and he's one of the reasons I got into basketball because when I was like seven, eight years old, who was good at that time? LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. Yeah. It was probably the only two people I knew about basketball until I really got into it. Yeah. Um. So that, that's the first part. Um. Second of all, um, again, as I said before. Uh, Kobe's rape allegations again. A lot of people are bringing them up, and should they? Um, before I even, before I even say go, should they? In terms of what the rape allegations were, so mm-hmm. back in the early two thousands, um, Kobe was married at this point, uh, and apparently he cheated on his wife with this woman, mm-hmm. and she claims that it was uh, unwanted advance and that he raped her or sexually assaulted her. Um, I'd, I'd go more lines and lines of sexual assault. It seems like it wasn't. And the difference between sexual assault and rape is rape has a lot to do with, like, I guess, force, force, um, mm. sexual, like, actual sexual intercourse, where I think sexual assault could be any unwanted touching that, you know, has, has any intimate advances. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, at the end of the day, they're more or less interchangeable in the situation. But, you know, she claimed that, um, and Kobe denied it. He said, yes, I cheated on my wife, um, which is kind of big for Kobe to admit. Mm. I don't think he had to admit that. Um, he could have just said no, and that would be the end of it. But, you know, they wound up going to court um, in terms of criminal court. And it turns out, I think after they did a, a rape test against this woman, I don't know her name, which essentially, I guess, they swab her, her body for, I guess, any source of remains of, of mm. other other people. And apparently they found Kobe Bryant, but they also found another man's. So which is interesting because if she had unwanted sexual contact with Kobe Bryant, why would she within you know a very short period have sexual contact with another man? Wouldn't she have been traumatized by that? And I guess that was one of the big things leading into this cri- the criminal case that really deterred her from continuing to push the charges. Mm. So the criminal course was was um, the criminal case was dropped, but then she later sued kobe for for civil wrongs which essentially is not criminal but you know for monetary value and i think i believe kobe bryant with along with his lawyers obviously settled with the woman mm. which then puts some guilt on kobe why would he settle if he's not guilty yeah um my personal opinion i do i do think that kobe was innocent mm. i believe this woman was most likely lying again with the fact with the dna test and they found two men as well, I think that Kobe most likely settled because, you know, the longer that these, these court cases went on, the more it hurt his reputation. It hurt his relationship with his wife. Um, you know, and to go along proving it, like, there's no telling. In terms of a civil case like that, in terms of, I think, rape in general, unless there's definitive proof, it's so hard to prove. Like, a criminal case and a civil case could go, honestly, either way, mm-hmm. um, depending on how the evidence is shown and, and, you know, what lawyers you have. So I think Kobe just wanted to put this in his pat, put it in his past. So he decided to settle with the lady, or the woman rather. Um, 
that's my opinion on it in terms of rape cases than that themselves and in my opinion should they be talked about i don't think right now is the best time you know let the family members grieve a lot of people love kobe i don't think it's wrong if you wanted to bring up in the past if you have a different opinion on the rape allegations if you want to bring up in the past you know you know let people grieve first and let people get yeah. through this and then possibly bring up his legacy um and, and discuss you know how valid is it with the fact that he may or may have not raped a woman um so that's my opinion on, in terms of like both parts of that uh brian what do you think um yeah so i, I guess i'll start from the beginning um so kobe bryant's what i've read his side of the situation was that it was consensual and that um obviously it wouldn't be rape or sexual assault if it was consensual and that was basically his side so obviously it depends who you believe um and that kind of goes to the point it depends how it was kind of the situation was brought up in court how it was laid out and what side the jury would eventually agree upon but in terms if they should i feel like i totally agree with nick there has to be a certain amount of time i don't know what it is till you can actually discuss his legacy um i feel like i mean it's a touchy subject but i feel like it's un it's not right for people to do that um that it was such a tragedy I, I, there were, what, do you remember that there was a story, the, someone tweeted out about it right after it happened in the Washington Post. It was a Washington Post reporter tweeted about the rape allegations in the Washington Post, um, fired them. It was like very recent, like four hours ago or something. Um, so I don't, I don't think they should. There has to be a period of time for people to grieve and mourn Kobe Bryant. Yeah, it's basically it. And then, yeah, I guess that's it. I don't know if you have anything else to say. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, like, it's definitely different from people to people, whether you could, like, bring that up. I know, somebody like Jeffrey Epstein, you know, his legacy was that he was a pedophile and he molested children. So uh, to bring that up, and I guess it's, I wouldn't say it's his legacy. I guess it's people who disagree that he did, whatever. It was never definitively proven, right? Mm. Um, but, you know, that, that's, that's what his entire life is pretty much consumed about. So to bring that up makes sense. But Kobe's done so much positive that would, uh, I guess, I guess he could never really outweigh the rape allegations. But there's a lot more positive to Kobe than just rape allegations. There's a lot more to, to who he was than just the rape allegations. So, you know, again, the, the amount of time grievance, I think, is important. And also, I guess, with Jeffrey Epstein, I mean, he died in jail. And, I mean, it wasn't like the, he wasn't like a great citizen. If he, mm. You know what I'm saying? So I think it proves to your point that Kobe Bryant, his positive things that he did for society kind of, I don't know if they outweighed it, but they're definitely there. While Jeffrey Epstein, to many people's opinions, wasn't a great guy at all. So I think that's why those things are brought up about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's it. Uh, kind of an interesting podcast for this week. Sad. Um, but, Nick, any final thoughts? Um, sure. Uh, first of all, almost broke my ankle this week. <laughs> uh, I was playing basketball, rolled it, had to go to, like, the ER. Then I would go to a specialist, and lo and behold, I only have, like, a grade 2 sprain. 
kind of hurts, but it's getting better. Um, keeping it off of me, I just wanted to say uh, R.I.P. Kobe Bryant, um, as well as rest in peace the other victims, which I do want to name because they're important as well. Yeah, um, R.I.P. to John L. Altobelli, uh, Carrie Altobelli, Alyssa Altobelli, uh, Christ- Christina Mauser, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, Gianna Bryant, and Ara Zobayan. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. to those people. Obviously, I only know Gianna Bryant, Kobe Bryant. Um, so R.I.P. to them. Uh, Kobe will be dearly missed, uh, as well as the, the rest of the world will miss him. Um, very unexpected. Uh, pretty pretty sad day for the world of sports yesterday. Um, I guess that's all I have to say. Um, if you have any guys have any comments, questions, concerns, you can contact me on my Instagram at Nick at my email nicklashorbeth10 at yahoo.com or on my Twitter at nick.horvath. Or not, rather, Nick Corbett, 61. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, rest in peace to those people. I guess I can give a little background about who they are, some of them. Um, so John Altabelli is a pretty famous uh, junior college baseball coach. Um, he has over 700 wins with – what's the name of it? I wish I remember the name. But their, like, nickname is the Pirates. It's over 700 wins. I think he was going into the 28th season – I was, obviously, Carrie and Alyssa were, Carrie was his uh, wife, Alyssa was her da- his daughter, who played on the same team as Gianna Bryant. Um, Christina Mauser, I'm pretty sure, was a assistant basketball, assistant girls basketball coach in a private school in California. Um, Sarah Chester and Peyton Chester were, um, Sarah Chester was the mom, Peyton Chester was the daughter. I'm not sure if she was on the team or not. Don't really know much about them. And then Ara Zobayan was the um, pilot of the helicopter. So rest in peace to them. Um, Very sad. Obviously tragic. Other than that, um, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Let us know what you thought of this podcast, comments, can DM us the dot sport dot universe. Um, check out our videos on YouTube and Instagram. You'll know the drill. If you have any interest writing for us, editing videos, anything that you think could help us, contact us at the sport universe twenty nineteen at gmail.com. And other than that, thanks for listening.